millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Roker Report podcast in association with Vox Brewery. Sadly, none of your usual hosts are available, so you'll have to make do with the B team this evening. I'm your host, Craig, and joining me to discuss Sunderland's 1-0 defeat against Coventry City are fellow Roker reporters, Ant and Sam. How are we, gents? Uh, not too bad. A little bit gutted after the day, but, you know, we'll, we'll soldier on, we'll move on. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good that we've had a few hours to sort of calm down, but... He's still not great after that, are you? Well, I suppose once we've relived this, who knows, the, uh, yeah, the anger might the, come back. The anger might uh, skyrocket once again. So we are in different surroundings for the main show this evening. We're back in our mobile recording unit, otherwise known as the Hilton Hotel. So we may have an interval at some point for a top-up of pints. Shall we get stuck in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get stuck in. So, in case you missed it, Sunderland fell to a narrow defeat at St Andrews against Coventry City on Sunday afternoon. Phil Parkinson named an unchanged side, but he shuffled the pack and made changes to the bench as Joel Lynch and Will Gregg returned to the squad in place of Tommy Smith and Duncan Watmore. The home side burst out of the traps and led after to less than two minutes, with Jamie Allen capitalising on some poor defending before releasing Matt Gordon to slot past John McLaughlin. Tom Flanagan and Charlie White both spurned big chances before the break as Flanagan volleyed wide from a Chris Maguire set-piece and White then headed over from close range. Max Power thought he had levelled 15 minutes from the end, but his deflected efforts took a ricochet off an offside Luke O'Neill, and the officials, unfortunately, correctly ruled that one out. Uh, the lads did push forward until the final stages, but Coventry held firm to take the points. And I'm going to come to you first. What's your initial thoughts on how the game unfolded? Yeah, I thought, once again, in front of the Sky cameras, I thought we were pretty poor. Um, I think we should just get banned from being on Sky altogether because we particularly play our better football when nobody is bothered about us. Um, I thought from the get-go, we were sloppy. Um, the, the goal's just awful. I think the, the defence should be doing a lot better. The goalkeeper should be doing a lot better. We've kind of gone into the game, started playing some nice little passing sort of movement, but we don't create much, do we, like today? We've... We're looking at set pieces where we're looking more dangerous, like Flanagan should have scored, Wyke should have scored from lovely balls in by Maguire. But then even in the second half, I thought we were going to like just dominate that second half. I thought we were, were um, comfortable, to be honest. Um, we've got that goal through power, which was correctly ruled out. I don't know what 9 was doing, running that far forward like from a shot, but hey-ho. Um, and yeah, I thought Coventry saw the game out all right. Like I say, I thought we were just who I thought was an average performance and probably a hangover from Tuesday night when we struggled to get a point against Fleetwood I just think both times we've just not been at the races so to speak 
isn't it just typical that we moan on every single week about the officials getting the decisions <laughs> absolutely, you know, kind of all over the shot? And then lo and behold, today, I would say the referee got probably 95% of the decisions absolutely bang on. There's, there's not many things you can criticise him for, but lo and behold, we have a goal chalked off. No, it's quite I mean, frustrating. Yeah, it was, it was spot on. I mean, like you say, oh, nine has gone, he's like in the six yard box, isn't it? When it hits him, I don't understand why he's that far forward. You know, he's obviously expecting it to hit the keeper and come out of him, but he would have been offside anyway. Um, yeah, they got it right in kind of the long way around fashion, didn't they? Because the linesman didn't put his flag up. And then they were saying, why well, oh, he couldn't see. So I wear a cap. You know, <laughs> there is such thing as caps. Um, but yeah, the referee, to be fair, the ref, I thought he was he was good today. You know, the, he, he, he let the game flow instead of boot, like, 0-9 could have been booked early on. Flanagan probably should have been booked for kicking the ball in the stands, trying to time waste when we 1-0 down. And then their goalkeeper did exactly the same thing and got booked. <laughs> but yeah, I thought the referee had, had a good game. Um, like I said, that was the big decision wasn't at the goal and it was spot on really the, the, like I said the long way around but they got it right in the oh, end that's it Sam what about you what, uh, what were your thoughts um, no I agree I think ultimately we've been punished for a, I don't even want to say a poor start because it's a, it was a shocking start really I mean to score inside two minutes and to concede when you're playing at that point basically a five at the back and have your two centre-offs run out to the same ball leaving a gap in the middle is pretty shocking and I think just before that as well, it was, it was after about 10, 15 seconds, they got in down the right-hand side and you just it was really similar to Fleetwood um, where they scored on around five minutes and just before that, they got in as well and you're just thinking, well, you've had the warning, just learn from it, but we didn't. Um, and it's all well and good responding and maybe controlling the game, but if you're going to concede early or concede in general, then you, you're fighting a losing battle in some ways. So... It, it was a game that, with the results yesterday, was there for us. But maybe because of yesterday's results, we're still, we're still in with a shout. But it was just poor, wasn't it? I mean, I can't, can't remember the last time we went away from home to a team that's doing well and up the top of the league and we've, we haven't got beat, really. I mean, I'm thinking now, Wickham, we've lost two away from home. Rotherham, Rotherham, we haven't played yet. Coventry, we've lost. Portsmouth, we've lost. Fleetwood, we drew. Peterborough uh, got battered, so it, it, if you want to if you want to get promoted, then you've got to at least give teams a game away from home, especially the big ones. So disappointing in that sense, but I don't think we were outclassed today. Just like I said, we've we've been made to pay for a really really poor start to the game. Well, how, how much of a concern is that? Because that, as you mentioned, is for the second consecutive game where we've started <coughs> incredibly slowly. We had the warning sign again today. We had that, obviously, within the first couple of minutes against Fleetwood. And, I mean, I, I, I don't know, what, what can we put that down to? Is it, is it a lack of communication in the middle of the pitch? Because the, the concentration levels would, would highlight it as a massive, massive yeah. success in games prior to this. And then, lo and behold, we'll come out immediately and it just looks like, you know, we're, we're not prepared, where we haven't, you know, got going and then, lo and behold, we're being punished within the first five minutes. In both both games, I mean, today within 90 seconds. I think it's a mentality thing because, judging off what Partinson said during the week, he said, look, after Fleetwood, he said, look, we started poorly and we can't afford to do that. We've got to be on the front foot. So, from what he's saying, the instruction from him is start the game well, or at least if you're going to... Because they were always going to come out the blocks they needed to win to go top. So, if, if you're expecting that, the, the main thing is just to stay compact. 
but the, the gaps that were there from the start, particularly like in between Power and Dobson in the defence, and then the goal was shocking, shocking defensively, which I can't remember the last time we've conceded. That's been a defensive mistake since Parkinson's turned it round, so to speak. Well, again, that was one of the positives, so to speak, that you know we had shored up a lot of the defensive mistakes. In the beginning of Parkinson's time in charge, it did seem that there was at least two or three of them every single game and yeah. you were guaranteed to get, get punished at least by one of them but in respect of the past two games we've played opposition in and around us do you think that's now teams beginning to do their homework on us that you know they're, they're coming out and they've perhaps watched us prior and lo and behold we've been blowing teams away within a 10 minute spell in the first half you know Ipswich come here and they didn't really let us get going at least until the second half I mean even Bristol Rovers nullified us yeah. quite a bit until until the second half um, when they went down to 10 men. But Fleetwood, they, they had a game plan and, and Coventry certainly did today. Is is that a cause for concern, do we think? I think, yeah, especially since both teams have nullified Denver Hume and Lyndon Gooch. As Hume today didn't, didn't have the greatest of games and on on Tuesday night, they doubled up on Gooch really, really well, I thought Fleetwood did. Um, so basically, we kind of need to think about think about doing something else, you know? You know, our best player probably is Chris Maguire, so get involved a bit more. It, it is quite worrying because if, if that's our plan A and it isn't working, that's all every team that we've got coming up is going to do. They're just going to say, right, their left side's their, their best attacking threat. We'll just double up on them, leave the right-hand side free, and then we don't have the, either the sense or the guile to do it on the right-hand side. Then it is a bit of a worry, but that's what, that's what Parkinson's been brought in to do, isn't it? He's going to have to change it. Um, it does look as if... Like Fleetwood did it brilliantly, I thought, on Tuesday night. Yeah. And currently today, possibly the fact their best player was their right back. Thought that Dabble he was incredible, he wasn't was he? Really, really yeah. good. Thought he was strong, positive, and stuff like that. And we still never, even in the second half, never got Maguire into the game as, as much as what we probably should have done. Do you think that we're, we're learning our lessons in respect of you knew that Lyndon Gooch wasn't getting much change out of their right back? Is it maybe. Uh, a criticism perhaps on, on Parkinson's point of view where you think you know change this up a little bit earlier we discussed prior to recording mm -hmm. that the substitutions were a little bit erratic and the formation is you know it's set in stone but lo and behold if we're chasing a game all of a sudden he's got six people up front it doesn't seem to revert yeah. to like a 4-4-2 or a three up front it's, it's kind of all or nothing Certainly, and, and what I can't understand is why Maguire and Gooch don't alternate. You know, yeah, they, they, they started do doing it at the start of the season and they've, they've, just, they've barely done it since. Yeah. Um, uh, even McGeady, when McGeady was in the side, he kind of alternated with Gooch. And if, if it's not working, then try and swap them over. You see, good teams do that, and um, it, it would give Knight Maguire just that little bit more extra, you know, to give us a little bit more extra as well. As, as to the changes in like Tuesday night, we literally brought every striker to our. To our like sort in our system, Orton. I thought Craig and Russell would get a goal. One point. <laughs> exactly, and then we, we signed. We were running around all over. Luckily enough, got an equaliser. But then today they bring Semenyo on, and Gooch is now playing left wing back. And Gooch was still doing his role and the role Semenyo yeah. was meant to be doing because obviously Semenyo was a striker. So Semenyo was getting brought into the middle quite a lot. So Gooch was like literally doing two uh, jobs of two men. So yeah, it's it's kind of up to Parkinson to kind of find this system where he can fit bringing subs on to kind of make it, make like, make it a bit more sort of to our advantage really because it's just not, not at the minute. So going back to the, the lineup itself, there was mentions that there was doubts midweek over the fitness of, of Gooch and White. Were you surprised to see us unchanged again? Very. I, 
I know, you know, we, we kind of do this every single week. Is he going to make one change, two changes? But they look quite leggy a few yeah. times throughout the course of today. And I think in terms of at half-time, they began to water the pitch um, conveniently on our side. And I know, ironically, Joey Barton said that we'd done that all Tuesday. <laughs> but lo and behold... I, I just said we weren't going to mention Joey Barton. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll edit this bit out. But... Was this was it again another opportunity? Do you think where we should have chopped and changed going into the day? I, I mean, you mentioned London Gooch. If Gooch and Maguire don't have a good game, then Sunderland as a whole don't have a no. good game. But unfortunately, I think there's been a few of them now where it's developing in, into that partner game where Gooch has gone slightly off the boil. So is it maybe time to take him out? I mean, we've discussed Charlie White. I think we could perhaps definitely agree it's time for maybe Charlie yeah. White to come yeah. out the side. Then Hume didn't have a good game today. Um, People tell me that Declan John is a real person. I'm yet to see him. I don't even remember seeing a scarf above his head, so I'm not convinced no. he's real. But it was 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 today one of those times where you say, right, let, let's change this. Maybe have a bit of a, a surprise lineup where they perhaps haven't done the homework. Because I'll be honest, I think despite all of our huffing and puffing, you know, Coventry done their job very very well, and they didn't really break a sweat. Their backline went unchallenged quite an awful lot. Yeah, I mean, like. We've, we've, I don't want this to become an anti-Charlie White podcast because it's literally every week we're saying he's, he's not doing it, he's not doing it, he's not doing it. But the proof is in the pudding. You know, today he was absolutely awful. You know, the ball was going up to him. He wasn't. He doesn't bring it down. He doesn't bring strikers into the play. He literally, I cannot think for a big man what he does. You know, and, and I thought today after the after they scored, he hit this volley, didn't he, from just outside the box? Yeah. It just went wide. I thought, oh, he's gonna have a, he's gonna have a decent game today, and that was all he did. And you've got a Northern Ireland International. I know Lafferty's pretty much the same kind of striker. However, Lafferty does a lot more with his head. He, look, he just looks more sort of imposing. Mm -hmm. um, so I would definitely have made that change. And as far as Gooch goes, I do think Gooch does need a rest. The issue I've got is I'm not overly convinced Semenyo's a like-for-like -like replacement for him. Yeah. So I don't know who I would bring in for him. Possibly Watmore, but Watmore wasn't fit today. Um, that might go down badly with everybody like, I was now or like with the Watmore uh, brigade but we haven't really got that like for like sort of left winger have we possibly maybe move Hume further up and then give John a game but like, I'm, I'm with you with Declan John does he exist I, I put on Twitter today at half time have we even signed Declan John because it's such a, a like a surprise how he's not even making the bench and Conor McLaughlin is yeah. and this is a, a Welsh national who we signed on, on loan from was it Swansea we signed him on? Yeah. So surely it's it's in a contract that we have to play him certain certain amount of times, otherwise they wouldn't have let us have him. You know, so like, what what is going on with that? I really don't get it. For some of the the new lads who came in in January, who we expected to feature a lot more. Um, obviously, we've, we've mentioned Declan John. You've got Scowen alongside that as well. Do you, do you think they're going to have you know a massive element of frustration to think that they've both dropped a division? Scowan in particular, who if who, I was Scowan, I'd yeah, be really really surprised. I, th yeah. I think he played you know give or take around about fifteen to twenty games, and then lo and behold, he's he's had no involvement at all. Five minutes here, and you know twenty minutes away at Oxford as well. Is is that a case of maybe we've brought in the wrong players, or perhaps Parkinson just does not have confidence in who he's bought? Because as you mentioned there, in terms of who do we say drop Lyndon Gooch for? we do seem pretty stuck in the fact that we've doubled down on plan A mm -hmm. so if for example a game like the day is going against us we don't really have much that we can change it by in terms of you either go six up front like we did today and, and again obviously like we did against Fleetwood but it's like you said there's not really much of a spark or anything to bring off the bench what more well 
well, we're not going to... No, <laughs> no, no let's, let's not. Yeah, he's, no, it's not going to happen, is it? Um, it's but, he's probably the only option, though, isn't he, for, for Gooch? You know, like, like I say, Semenyo looks to me like he's a striker. He's more, of a, he's more of a central player than yeah. that. He looks like he could play wide, but it wouldn't be his preferred position, would it, Semenyo? He looks like the type of striker that... I know people hate uh, cliches, but could offer you something different, which is what we've always been saying about what more, so read into that what you will. But I think what you were talking about there with the likes of Semenu and that, it's a weird one because you can't tell me that when they were meeting with partners and they've been told you, you won't really play because yeah. they wouldn't have came. So is it a case of he doesn't like what he's seeing in training or he's trying to give the likes of Dobson and, well, Dobson really, uh, confidence? Because it, it just, it, it, it seems like because we only play two in the middle you would think they're going to get a bit leggy but we never really seem to change the, the middle two ever and you think you've got someone like Scowl on the bench you'd bring him on on maybe 60-70 minutes to do most of the running so but what you were saying before about have teams found us out I think that might be one of the downfalls of playing the same 11 every week because yeah. teams know if you're if you're the full back of who uh, say we're playing Gillingham next you're going to sit and watch Lyndon Gooch how he plays because you know he's going to play and if you're the centre half so you're going to be talking to each other about alright Charlie White does this and this so you know exactly what you're playing so I think we are crying out for changes and I think we were before today to be honest with you I don't think that it would be any surprise if we rocked up next Saturday then lo and behold we see the same starting 11 wouldn't surprise going me out against Gillingham no. I couldn't I, I, I don't understand like you like Ant was saying earlier the last thing we want is to get on someone's back and have a go at someone like White but what is, what is Wyke? How is he warranted staying on the pitch ahead of Lafferty, who came on today and within five minutes was putting himself about winning the ball back? I just, I, I couldn't, I, I would, I couldn't understand if Saturday two o'clock we saw the team sheet and it was the exact same eleven that started here. I'll need to fact check this, but I seen this on Twitter earlier on that Charlie Wyke in his last fifty league games scored nine goals and assisted five. Now for a team like us who. We're at the business end of the season now. We're expecting to be competing for automatic promotion. It's just not good enough, is it? No. I mean, Will Grigg was pretty much bummed out very, very early under Parkinson. And I know that Wyke perhaps has been somewhat fortuitous in terms of when our sort of turn and form, if you like, he was up front. But I can't think besides those nine goals and obviously only the five assists of any major moments where he's bringing people involved in, in play. I mean... I don't think he uses his body very well. And like, and like you said earlier, you don't want it to turn into a, a criticism or anything like that. But if we've got 10 games left now, and let's be fair, we've probably got to win them all to stand any chance at all. Yeah. Because there are so many teams who are in good form up the top. You've got to look now, whether you're going to upset some players, but you've got to look to try and change this now, surely. Well, you've got to be looking at, like, there's 10 games left, and you want to be looking at your, your main striker to be probably hitting seven goals in them 10 games. Uh, on his hand on heart, don't think White will get two. No. So you look at the, the, the other teams that we've got around us, you've got Rotherham, who've got Freddie Ladapo, who's scoring goals for fun. Godden today for Coventry. You know, I mean, Godden's a journeyman, journeyman League One striker. He scored, I think he scored 14 goals this season, which is a good good return. You know, you've got Ivan Tony, who's probably the best striker in the league for Peterborough. Uh, Evan Fenwick's even scored more goals than White this season, I believe. So that, that just goes to show that we're, if we're ever lying on White, to get out goals and he's not delivering and then ho hopefully that mantle goes to Maguire or Gooch now in the last two games Gooch has certainly been off the boil 
Maguire kind of hasn't been in the game as much as what he would have liked. Now, if they're both not scoring, who's going to score? We had to rely on power in the last minute, you know, 97th minute to score a nice little goal, to be fair to him. But even today, power, if that goal had ever gone in, that would have been power again. It's just who else? Who else is going to be scoring our goals? We need to be beating teams, you know, like you say, we need to be winning probably at least nine out of the next ten games to go up. And who's going to get the goals? That's the worrying thing. Were you surprised either of you to see Will Grigg back on the, the bench today? I know there was discussions in the week that Parkinson had <coughs> mentioned, you know, he was doing extra training, he wanted to be involved. Apparently he scored in the, the behind closed doors yeah, yeah, game did, yeah. um, with, with Lafferty also against Carlisle in the week. And one of the bits that we've always mentioned is if he's not getting you know any minutes in the starting eleven, if he's not even getting in the squad, why not put him in the twenty threes and at least make sure that he's 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 fresh and he's fit for it? Was it a bit of a surprise after he talked to him so much that okay, first of all that he is on the bench, but at least second of all when you're chasing a game, maybe just bring him on. You know he's always had that fox in the box reputation, and I know it hasn't worked for us yet. But you think if some of the chances fall today, I know there was one late on where Maguire had just took his foot away and, and he kind of lost out the box, but. You've got to think at least somebody with Will Griggs' reputation is perhaps going to trap that yeah. and shoot and, and maybe carve out an opportunity. I, I couldn't understand why. So you haven't, I, I don't know the exact figures, but I'd say it's been a good few weeks where he hasn't made the squad. And then to put him on the bench, you're thinking, right, he must be coming on, especially it, it was a type of game where you just shove your strikers on. Like you said, someone like Will Griggs, put him in the box and just say, get, get one chance. Because if you're going to put him on the bench and not play him, to me, I'd rather you put one of the kids on the bench for yeah, a bit of confidence or something. It was just, it was just a weird decision. To be honest, it, was, it just seemed a bit not false hope for him, but just a bit, just a bit strange that he's sitting there watching White play as badly as he did and not come on from. For I think answered earlier, why not bring him on for White in the last ten minutes or something? Just you've already got Lafferty on the big hold-up striker. Just have your finisher on the pitch. But is it something different, isn't it? Like, why, why not try it? 4-4-2 or something like yeah. that, you know? The, obviously, that wasn't working. And you, you could tell even in the second half, even when um, Lafferty came on, we were still struggling to create anything. Yeah. So why not try that? And and to see, like, even... I mean, we were just watching on the television, you know, I don't know how many times he, he's warm, got up and warmed up, but the, you would have thought if he was warming up vigorously, Greg... The camera would have gone on him because of the amount, of the, the, you know, the story that is how he's been a flop at Sunderland and stuff like that. And he didn't even—I don't think the camera panned him once. He was—he was sitting having a laugh with Conor McLaughlin. Mm. That, that was it. So he's obviously not warmed up as much. Um, I just think it's kind of obviously what more was injured today. So I just thought, oh, who we're going to pick? Oh, Greg, he'll do. You do, know. Do you think that there has perhaps been a bit of a change in attitude around him? Maybe this week on social media, there's been a lot of people asking to see him back involved. And I remember particularly this time last year when. You know, Charlie White had went through a horrific run of form. Then, lo and behold, something just kind of changed overnight. And then the fans, all of a sudden, are kind of singing his name and getting behind him because he was putting a bit of a shift in. Um, you know, is is that something that you could at least expect to see? Because I know, granted, when Will Griggs been involved this season, okay, he hasn't done well. There was a time when he was booed off the pitch. You'll have to forgive me; I can't remember the exact game, no. but it was quite a scathing reception mm, when he was nothing. when he was booed yeah, off. Yeah. No. And do you, a lot of people perhaps would have thought that there's no way back, but do you think all of a sudden now, let's say he's you know, starting 11 or if he gets back off the bench maybe next week, do you, do you think that there's a chance for him to, to put himself back into the good graces? Well, you, you look at the change in Maguire and uh, Parkinson, especially since Nick Allenby's coming, how fit Maguire looks. Now, you, you've got to think that Grigg must be doing something in training, like you say, with his, his um, behind the closed doors. He scored a goal on Tuesday up in Carlisle weren't them and then apparently a few weeks ago 
him and Lafferty were playing in it behind closed doors when he scored twice and set up two for Lafferty. <coughs> so there's obviously, if if we you know we've changed our system and things like that, you know why not just give him a? He might have changed. You know he might he might start doing a bit more. He might be a bit more fitter. He might want to play a bit more. I mean, surely if you're Will Grigg and you're sitting, not getting into the 18, you're going to be thinking, well, what am I going to do yeah. to get into the 18? You know, he's, he's a professional footballer, he's going to be wanting to play. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is, and for us as well, to have someone like that who can score a goal and we're not using it, it will, I think it will sort of creep into fans' minds now. We're like, yeah, we've got Will Grigg now, so why, why not? You know, we could do a lot worse. I think the reason that you're seeing fans' attitudes might have changed towards him is because with Charlie Wyke, everyone sort of... You've always known he's not the best finisher or whatever, but he was sort of getting by because of his holder play and his link-up play, but I'd say over the last month, if not longer, he, he hasn't even got that. So I think fans are thinking, well, if he's not going to hold up the ball, we'd rather have someone like Greg, who you know isn't physical, but give him half a chance, we might get a goal, because... If White isn't giving you the physicality and he's also not giving you the finisher, you'd rather have one over the other. You've got to think as well with our like um, our our like wingers playing like a lot of lower balls into the box now, a lot on yeah. the floor. That Greg will kind of feed on them a lot more than what White does. So it might be it might be worth it. I'm not saying it's going to change. He'll change our season or anything like that. But you know, at the minute, White is not going to. I don't think White's going to improve and. For some reason, he doesn't particularly want to give Lafferty a go, so why why not? I, th- I think on Saturday, Lafferty should start, and mm-hmm. I would even, unless it's going drastically wrong, I would just give White the rest, bring on Greg as your second striker, or I would for leave Lafferty him out altogether, mate. I would, I would, honestly I would not maybe, even give him a chance. I would maybe put him on the bench in case it's, I mean, he's not going to exactly save us if it's going horrendously, but I would start Lafferty and then, obviously, if you win in handsomely, take him off for Greg or bring Greg on if you want the goal and just. Just try something different. If it doesn't work, then you're thinking, right, well, it hasn't worked. But like a lot of people were saying during the week, start Lafferty against Coventry, and if it doesn't work, people can say, oh, well, it didn't work. At least we've tried. Because if you don't try it, we're always going to be sitting here after every match saying, why don't we try that? Why don't we yeah. try that? So I know he's got his best 11. He, he, he obviously likes White a lot, but I, th- I think he knows now that he's, he's got to give Lafferty and Greg a chance. Like, it... it Definitely Lafferty because every time I've seen him come on, he's looked lively and he's looked like he's what he can't do much more apart from score than warrant a place. I think the fans will probably start criticising again if if White continuously yeah. is playing and continuously isn't performing. You know, if, if if he does start next week and ends up scoring a couple of goals, then fair fair enough and fair play to patterns and four sort <coughs> of you know sticking by him. But his form, as, as as Sam said, his form in the last month has been shocking. <coughs> You know, he just hasn't looked as if he wants to go on the end of anything, and he hasn't really made a telling contribution, has he? Really? Can't remember. When was his last last goal? Was Tranmere? Was it? That was what five, six games ago. Took around the. Who did he score? Oh yes, ah uh, yes, sorry, Bristol Rovers, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a strange goal. But that was a very st- <laughs> that was a very strange goal. It took him about half an hour to get on the keeper. I, I think somebody described it on Twitter as one of those half-time kind of competition oh, things where yeah. I think it was Alex. <laughs> yeah, well. and I think it just nailed it <laughs> yeah. to absolute perfection. I mean, it literally looked like it was slowed down. It was um, the keeper was really strange. Was he, he sort of came out and then thought, "Oh, what do I do now?" <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like the last few podcasts I've been on, it, it, I do feel like I've worked on record, like criticising White, but I just, I really want to see it, something else up front. You know, I think. Overall, in terms of this week, when we kind of all had a bit of a, of a crack on prior to going in for the Fleetwood game, we said that we needed four points. 
is this now at the stage where you think it's kind of it's over and done with for us the top two do you still think there's a chance because personally I think I thought we played okay today I thought we were the better side for for large parts I thought Coventry were well, arguably the best defensive side we've played against and we didn't challenge them enough but we've seen an awful lot of the ball um, in terms of when you've seen it back on Sky and they put all those possession stats up you know we controlled an awful lot of that in, in 10 to 20 minute periods but we just we just didn't seem to create anything and you could say the same against Fleetwood as well um, in terms of when they when they tried to slow it down so at this moment is the, the any sort of air of concern do you think it's over and done with now or or do you still think there's a chance? I don't think it's over and done with just for the fact how inconsistent everybody is bar Coventry I think I think Coventry might end up running away with it now but for second place I think I still think it's wide open and you know we've got a fair few of them to play yet we've got Peterborough at home Gillingham next week's a massive game by the way because Gillingham are unbeaten in a long time they draw a lot of games they'll come set up to draw you know they'll come set up to try and get a point so that's a massive game but no, nah, I don't think it's all over I know I think a lot of um, sort of knee-jerk reactions today from everyone was like, oh, that's it, playoffs. You know, but you, you can never give up, especially with 10 games to go. You know, we've still got an opportunity, but it's, it, it's, how, we, it's how we cope from today's win. When we, did, like, when we bounced back after getting beat off Portsmouth, we bounced back really, really well. Yeah. We need to do that again, yeah. and then we need to keep that up. Um, so I don't think it's over, but it's a bad week. We've had a bad week. You know, two teams that are around us, we failed to beat both of them. You know, lucky enough to get a point. Don't get us wrong, because they're you know, a last-minute goal. But yeah, it's been a bit of a. I think it's been a little bit of a um, sort of when you take stock of what you've got, really, hasn't it? I think it's been one of them kind of weeks. We're a bit out of sync. I know we're normally in the studio and we've got a professional kind of layup. We do the three-word review and we do the questions. So we're just going to kind of chuck this in in any old order, really. Uh, Philip West, obviously of the Roker Report Parish, he put a talking point out earlier on, saying that there's a mental weakness in the team. When it does come to these crunch games, we lack the resilience and the determination to come to stadiums like St Andrews and dig out results. It happened at Portsmouth, it's happened again today, and it's an issue that needs addressing ASAP now. We've got 10 games left, predominantly most of them are away from home. Places like Burton have never been easy for us, even some of the home games where you've got teams like Peterborough coming here. They're all in contention really, Rotherham away on the last day of the season. In terms of the next 10 games, realistically speaking, to be in with any sort of chance, do you think we need to win them all? I think we... I think, yeah, really. So, Rotherham's last game of the season, so if you're talking before then, nine games, you need to win eight or nine, really, don't you? So, it, I don't think... I mean, when the final whistle went to D, I was a bit like, oh, that's playoffs, book your Wembley Hotel, blah, 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 but... I do think it, it's going to change every week and it's been the same for a while now. You win one, you lose two, you go up and down. But I think if we went on a run now where we didn't win in the next two or something, I think we would have to sort of uh, look towards the playoffs. But even then, I think if it came down to it that we knew we were playoffs, we'd still have to keep our foot on the gas because there's teams below us that would yeah. easily... We could, mm. You could easily go eight right. or something. I mean, look at Ipswich. Look at Oxford. Oxford, I think we were 11. Yeah. Like, two weeks ago, they were point behind us again. Yeah, One, three games off the spin. That's how quick it can change. That's why I've kind of think it's kind of not over and done with It's there. like the complete opposite of last season, yeah. where last season you had two or three teams, if you include Charlton, that were doing well. This season, you like even a team we're not talking about now could... It wouldn't surprise me if the team won ten in a row now and came fifth. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's just it's completely random, and like I said, it changes after every week. You look at the table, you look at fixtures, and it could go one of twenty ways. So I don't think it's over. And it, 
it probably won't be the last game of the season where we'll go to Rotherham. I'm fully expecting to go to Rotherham, thinking we'll get promoted. So, I do think, with Phil's point there about the mental weakness, I do think that's kind of a, a good point, because every game we've got to where, where we've been playing teams around us, we've, we've not really won, you know, especially away from home. Um, I wonder, though, if that might... That might kind of come into Parkinson's head, and maybe he changes formation for them games. Maybe bring scoring in, plays a three across the midfield. Three. I always think when we play a team who plays three in midfield, we haven't got a clue what to do because yeah. we just get outnumbered. And you know, power. To be fair to power, I think power has improved greatly this season. I think he's been our best player the last few weeks. But Dobson a lot is like a little bit of a like a headless chicken. Sometimes he runs around and, and causes the midfield to get so overrun. Um, maybe you should look at changing that, but it is a very good point. It's like the the um, evidence is in there because we we don't win away from home to these big teams. Even going back to last season, we didn't really win at no. any of the big teams away from home, did we? No, Luton, we Luton didn't. Madrew, yeah, Charlton, Madrew, Charlton, Madrew Portsmouth Madrew. were beaten. Portsmouth so got beat. So there's yeah, there's your set of Barnsley. We even Peterborough with Drew. Yeah, Barnsley with Drew. Yeah. Do, in terms of. Today, for example, uh, I think once they'd went one nil up, you, you always, you know, had had the hope. But as the game went on and the disallowed goal, you just kind of knew perhaps right was on the wall. Can can you attribute maybe what Phil had said there to you know maybe naivety in terms of some of the young lads? Because I know Denver Hume's come in for a lot of criticism today. George Dobson, as you mentioned, has come in for a bit of criticism, and and these are lads who you know they've, they've been celebrated somewhat in terms of how well they've done of late. But for the past couple of games, they seem to have gone off the boil and. I mean, I don't know. Is it the case of we would just take them out the firing line and then we bring them back in, or do they need, the, you know, like an arm around the shoulder? What what is it we can do to really get, get them back? I think the full especially focus? with Dobson, because I mean, you, you, as much as Dobson came in came in from from Walsall, but Dobson's twenty one. You know, he's younger than Denver Hill. So yeah. like in, in that in that position where he's at, it's a quite it's probably one of the most important positions on the pitch because he's got he's got to like you know he's either got to get forward, get some goals, which he's only scored one goal for us all season, which was away from home in the cup. Um, or he's got to do something like as in run the game and he's not done that I don't think since he's came for us I think he's a steady away player don't get us wrong but you wouldn't play a 21 year old all season would you there's a certain amount where, where them you know young lads do get tired more because you know they're still learning you know they're still they're not fully grown into the bodies yet or anything like that so maybe looking at Scowan who has come in from QPR higher up division he must have thought he'd be regularly start it's a strange one Scowan and right, maybe it is time to maybe bring him in as much as I think it would be a little bit harsh to drop to uh, drop Dobson it's, I think it's kind of needed now where it needs to be something a little bit more different give us a little bit of like just a bit extra really you think with 10 games I mean perhaps we can't really carry any more passengers and no no, you've got no, to be so, so you've drop got the be, passenger yeah. up front <laughs> you know I mean? you've got to be ruthless haven't you and maybe not take into account someone's confidence if you if you want to get the results, which is it's hard to say. But at the end of the day, it's, it's about it's a results. I mean, it's, business, it's isn't it? Not like a great compa- like comparison, but we're sat here watching the League Cup final here, and Pep Guardiola on Wednesday dropped his best player in um, Aguero, and they won. So he's brought Aguero back in the day, and they're winning. So like, I know we haven't got anyone like Aguero. Do we need to ring Aidan McGee? You know what what I mean? <laughs> no, we haven't oh. got like anyone like Aguero. But that's that's shown there of him using his squad to great benefit, right? Yeah. Now we have got a decent squad, probably 
on paper the best squad in League One. We've yeah. got international players on the bench or not appearing at all <laughs> in Declan Johns. If you're still here, Declan, you know, if you haven't, or if you're not playing somewhere else by now, and maybe it is now time to use that. And maybe it's kind of like you know, if, especially when you're playing three games a week, you know. Players are going to get tired. Every player is going to get tired playing three 90-minute games a week and you know, at high-intensity football. Maybe this time, maybe just, just for like, just, just to like a fresh appearance, you know, yeah. is to make them changes and use your squad to its benefit. Listening to all this, I'm fully convinced we'll make changes. But I know for a fact, two o'clock on Saturday, it'll just be the <laughs> you're same. expecting the same it'll just same be the same yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. You'll, just, you'll scroll down a bit and it'll just say wake at the end. You just play. Well, one change in particular that has been championed in an argument you would say by the exiles for those who haven't listened there was a good 20 minute going at it between John and Niall a good argument about John McLaughlin now Niall is very much pro Sunderland he loves everything to do with the football club (laughs) and as a reminder he's even said that he will be getting Phil Parkinson tattooed on his body if we do get promoted so yeah we'll write that down so we're not going to forget that but what he mentioned was he said John McLaughlin was one of the best goalkeepers in the league he was very commanding he was excellent now John went against that he said he's not as good as Lee Burge Uh, for obviously an in-depth review of what they said I'd recommend checking out the podcast the last 15-20 minutes because there was a lot of good arguments put from both sides now I'll be honest I sided with Niall an awful lot I think John McLaughlin is our best goalkeeper I thought in terms of the consecutive run of clean sheets he's done very well but lo and behold, after 90 seconds today, I think he's been beat by a goal that he just dropped like a bag of shit and I thought he really should have done an awful lot better. Do you think it's the case of he's just not prepared, he's not ready, he's not expecting it, he's maybe hoping that it's going to be cleared? Who? I don't want to use the word blame, but who are we blaming for the goal today? Because we had the warning after 15 seconds and a minute later we're 1-0 down. I, th- no, I think in terms of McLaughlin's contribution to the goal, I do... Th- it, it might sound mental, but I think if that's later in the game, he saves it. I think it's just it's took everyone by surprise, and especially a goalkeeper. I think as a goalkeeper, you want to get that first cross, or you want to get that first parry, or you you just want to get your first touch on the ball. So I think he could have done better, but I think it's just totally took him by surprise. Um, no, I, I do think McLaughlin's our best keeper. I do think Burge is a great back up to the point where if we were to lose McLaughlin to a championship club or something end of the season I think Birds would do an, it would be an adequate replacement but I think McLaughlin's very good at um, commanding his penalty area I think you watch when a ball goes in the box he must shout that loudly because all of the defenders sort of duck and move out the way so I think when you've got a centre half like Ozturk who I do think is probably our most improved player he's, he's still a bit shaky sometimes and the likes of Flanagan so a keeper like McLaughlin behind them will they'll fill them with confidence as well. So I, I think I'm very poor McLaughlin as well, but I will very much listen to the debate and I presume I'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably team Niall, I think. Um, as much as I thought, I thought McLaughlin all game today was poor. thought the goal, I agree, I agree. If that's in the 70th minute, he saves it. So he's not switched on. Um, but even in the second half, I think they had, a, they had a free kick and he come out and went to punch it and just ended up like kind of palm and it's clear and they had a shot from it and um, they had a shot in the second half where he fumbled it and it went it, it went into his body which was lovely enough but I think the one position I wouldn't be debating would be my goalkeeper because he's kept that many clean sheets in the last two months um, he has shown I still don't think he's as good as what he was last season I will say that I don't think he's that at that level yet where he was saving us in a lot of games but it's the last position I'd be looking to change at the minute, so yeah, I'm pretty much on Niall's side. Like, 
well, we'll let them listen back to this and I'm sure that might generate further argument yeah. for them during the week. Nail you um, me and Sam 20 quid. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, uh, we'll wrap things up at least on the Coventry game and we'll move on to a few bits that we've had sent in. Um, like I said, we are somewhat out of sync, so I do apologise that we're not in the union. We're better prepared with a better structure <laughs> today. We are all over the place. Um, but we did have a listener question. Thomas Carlyle sent in to us. said, what are your thoughts on the South End game? Play it or cancel it? Uh, so for those unaware... We are due to travel to Southend on March the 28th, but given the game falls on an international weekend, it could yet be rearranged. Uh, early assumptions are that we are likely to be without at least three uh, of our players, with the likes of John and Conor McLaughlin, Tom Flanagan, Declan John and Lyndon Gooch, all in contention for a call-up. Now, we'll never really know for sure just how much the fixture pile-up cost us last season, but in reality it can't have helped. Now, if I recall, we had to play our final nine games in... 32 days uh, that was three fewer games that, that Luton played and two fewer than Charlton who were all eventually promoted so what do you think with that one do we run the risk of playing catch up again towards the end of the season or do you think we'll play this if John McLaughlin's away Lee Burge comes in if Lyndon Gooch is away then we'll bring Semenu in we should be able to go down to Southend and get a result it, expect. it doesn't matter what team who, who we have missing against Southend we should be putting the team out to beat them you know, Southend are absolutely dross and for me, I don't. If, you, if, if they cancel that game, then that's not learning the mistakes of last season. And we're going to go three weeks in a league where every result matters. Every week, the, the top six is changing, the top two is changing. If we're missing out on that week, we could end up being three, four points out, outside the playoffs, the way yeah. it's going. So we, we, can't, we cannot be doing that. You know, like you say, if McLaughlin gets called up, we've just discussed Lee Burge. Lee Burge is more than adequate to come in. If Lyndon Gooch gets called up, which I don't think he will for America, then we're more than adequate to cope with him. You know, even though we have mentioned who do you drop Gooch for, but it, it really shouldn't matter, should it? You should, you, we could possibly put, even bring Benji Kimbioka, who's still, it's easy to exist, but it, <laughs> we could bring him in and, and they should still, we should still be able to turn South End over who have lost nearly every game they've played in this season, we still should turn them up no matter who we've got missing. Sam, what are your thoughts? No, I agree. I think, ultimately, I think the, the fixture pile-up fixture pile did cost us last season because I can't, I can't even begin to remember the amount of times that I was seeing the people with this many points behind and would say, oh, no, we've got a game in hand, two games in hand. I kept saying, that's not six points. That'll be a 1-1 draw, which ultimately it was. But... It, it, it will be a few players, even if Gooch gets called up, that we will miss. But like Ant said, no disrespect to Southend, but they are by far the worst team I've seen this season, and I've seen us play Bolton twice. So can you imagine as well that we've got like three games in a week, and in that middle of the week we've got to go all the way down and all the way back to Southampton, uh, Southampton, Southend. Yeah, you know, yeah it, I didn't even think about that. Such like even even like like in, in in case of geography, it's so bad. Yeah, I, if yeah. it was if it was a, a side near the top with us, then I would understand to a degree. While the, the corner enough, because then you want to play your best team against, yeah, yeah. you know, say if it was Peterborough at home, yeah. yes, fair play, that's all right. I possibly would have said that's played, because I, I, I think we should just be looking at beating every team that we're, that we're playing until the end of the season. But you can understand it to a point, but when it's a team, you know, they would be bottom of the league by an absolute mile if it wasn't for Bolton. If Bolton hadn't had that point, they would be rooted to the bottom. They are a very you know. poor team. I mean, they only stayed up because. We randomly let them. Let's yeah, and that so, guy with the mask doesn't play for them anymore. I know. The, so. so they owe they owe us three points. So we should just be able to get them. Yeah. But no, I think I think it would be uh, not a poor decision. But it would looking on everything. I think the powers would be should just say, look, we need to play this game. We need to. Th- we need to just keep this. I know we've had a dip in form, but we just need to 
I think it's pretty much though nailed on that they're going to call it off though isn't it like, I think they will it seems very very apparent yeah the, the, the whispers are and from most of the people that we speak with a lot of people are saying but that's it, going to be called off it's but, just such a weird sort of stop start because I was saying earlier you, you, you spend three weeks playing every four days and then yeah. you go two weeks without a game it's just mental mm-hmm. Who, who's in charge? Who makes them decisions? Is that Parkinson's decision or is that just a decision made by the club? Surely he gets lost here. I think it does go with Parkinson because if I remember rightly, albeit I'm not 100%, but from what I understand, Jack Ross had the final say on the Fleetwood game earlier in the season. Yeah, he called it off. Which then. obviously was subsequently replayed on Tuesday and let's be fair, we weren't at the races. No. Now, at the time when that game was called off, I know, you know people thought we were perhaps hit and miss under Ross, but that was when we'd won, I think, four or five games in a row. Mm-hmm. So there is a possibility that we could have put them away at the start think, of the season I and had an extra two were, points. I think they were poor at the time yeah. as well. They're, yeah. they're much better now than they were when it was meant to be played. Mm-hmm. I know that you can't really foresee that happening, but yeah, I think you've just got to play every game and you, you should be... Well, what's the point in having a squad if you're well, not going exactly, to use it? Yeah. You know, it's, what's, exactly. what's the point? And you put players in, like we've been talking about scoring and people, and they should be raring to go and... With them having that extra bounce of getting the first start, you're thinking it against Southend they should bat them, really. It's like, what's the point in having Lee Burge then? If what's yeah. the point in even having Lee Burge at Sunderland if his job as a secondary goalkeeper, his number two goalkeeper, would be to replace the goalkeeper when injured or when on international duty, especially in League One? Now, and now we're calling off, we've called Fleetwood off, we've called another game off as well, haven't we? Um, early on in the season was it Bristol Rovers yeah, yeah, yeah. We've, we've got that coming up on the midweek yeah. yeah yeah, the away one yeah um, and, and and when we could have easily used I, I believe as well there was only McLaughlin who got who got a game wasn't it? in mm-hmm. fact it wasn't it was Conor McLaughlin because McLaughlin didn't play for Scotland so there was only Conor McLaughlin who a bog standard left back and we cancelled a game for it which we still haven't played and we don't know if we're going to win it can't give your squad players any confidence either because if you are confident in your squad, like Parkinson keeps saying, then to him it should just be like, mm-hmm. well, we've got the players, and then you give them the chance, and then yeah. they, they, they should. Can you imagine being Lee Burge though, and, and like having it in your head that you're not trusted enough to do a perform, do like do a performance yeah. against the second lowest team in the league, probably the worst team. Yeah. What's that going to say for him? No, must. I think we just need to play yeah. really good. Yeah, I think like you were saying, it 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 has the ring of it that we're not going to really. Oh, oh, Villa just sorry, Villa have just hit the post. <laughs> we'll edit this bit out. No, I, so I, I think we're all in agreement that we'd play the game because yeah. logistically, you go to Southend during the middle of the week. It's um, it, well, nobody wants to travel to Southend at any time of the year. Never even mind the going fans, on a Tuesday, yeah. or Wednesday. Even like a fa- even for yeah. fans, do you want to go down to Southend on a Tuesday night? Now, if that was a Saturday, the twenty eighth of March, we'll we'll fill that. No problem yeah. at all. Yeah, but we're not going to fill it on a Tuesday night, are we? The people's got work on a Wednesday or stuff like that. We're not going to. It's going to end up. We're not going to have as many fans as what we want. So surely you would think, as a whole, even as a club, we should be playing it. And it's, it's two days off work for most people, isn't it? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, easy, yeah, easy. yeah, yeah. Especially ah, it's the, a horrible journey. Yeah. Travelling downtime, you'd have to take the day off for the day, mm-hmm. and then unless you crackers take the day off for the I next day. Say, well. Unless you're travelling by ALS and, yeah. and getting back up here for about seven in the morning. <laughs> So no, I think uh, I think with that one, Thomas, we're all in agreement that we'd like to play the game. Um, like I said, perhaps we'll wait and see, but the the noises are unfortunately it does look like that one will be cancelled. Um, we do have a few other random questions that have been sent our way. Now there was a lot of rumours that Friday of this week uh, was said to be the release of uh, Sunderland till I die season two. Um, but we actually spoke with Fullwell 73 in the week and we did ask, you know, was there, there any truth to the rumours? They turned around and said no, they're still waiting to release it. They don't actually have a release date as of yet. Um, my thoughts at this stage is I really hope and pray 
they don't release it mid-season I hope they release it at the end of the season or better yet don't release it at all yeah. um, so it doesn't kind of upset or have any sort of detrimental impact but Lucy Whitaker asks Sunderland Till I Die Season 2 is rumoured to be released any day now are you looking forward to watching it and if not why not I think I've got a bit of an unpopular opinion but I'm actually really excited for it I really, I really like the documentary. I know. Just for recording, me and Craig have literally turned our backs I've to winced. Sam now. I've <laughs> yeah. no, I, I, I don't. I think I would very much like it to come out at the end of the season because I don't think it can help the players when you, especially when you, we're talking there about is it going to be playoffs and they're going to watch our team of last year get to Wembley twice and walk away unsuccessful. But no, I, I quite enjoy it, and I think compared to the first season, this one's going to be a, a lot more chirpy you'd think the more positive you'd well, expect I'd, I'd be a bit concerned if it wasn't uh, yeah but uh, no I'm, I'm looking forward to it I'll like it me. unless I'm on it swearing <laughs> or something then I w I'm not going to be a fan and me bother, me bother is with, with, with both of them to be totally honest with you it's like when you're watching a film and you've already seen it before knowing <laughs> that the hero dies at the end you know I'm just I don't really want to watch it this is quite a sad death as well isn't it yeah, this is like like Skywalker or Iron Man dying yeah, it's yeah. Like, have you seen Man on Fire with Denzel Washington when he saves the little lass yeah. and then, he, and then he, he, he's like walking and, and she's going Casey at the end he's like <laughs> like you'll be at the Charlton game won't you be like Grant put that board in the back of the net <laughs> you know and it's it's I just yeah I think I'm more looking forward to, to Full World 73's Friends reunion more than I'm looking forward <laughs> to Something Till I Die too. and I don't like Friends well, so it's like yeah but even like saying like like what you said there it should be on at the end of the season I wouldn't want it to drop on Friday yeah. when we've still got a massively important run in because then we're just going to end up having you know the mags are going to laugh at us again you know other 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 um, other fans uh, who are coming here are going to start singing that crying on, crying on Netflix lava I might say Craig crying on a blessing because he cried at the playoff final <laughs> you know, the hopefully final. The, ca yeah. the cameras weren't on I've got a horrible feeling as well I will be on it because when we signed Will Greg Stuart Donald was in the colliery and I literally shook the cameras in front of us. I shook Donald's hand and went, another promise well kept. And oh. how well that's worked out. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You've got to watch it because of that now. You've got to be a bit excited. <laughs> I really hope that's been left on the cutting room floor. Like, the thing yeah, is, so. you, you mentioned that. Granted, yes, I've discussed a few times now that I might have got somewhat upset at Wembley. We all did, but mine was influenced heavily by gin. So I, I did get a bit tearful, but I do have it on good authority that the cameras were right at the front, panned on me and other host Graham so yeah that's that's going to be quite uh, quite so embarrassing so you don't want to watch that on Friday do you I don't because you, you will like like binge watch it won't you we'll watch it all the way until the end you don't fancy it. the night before playing Steve Evans' Gillingham at home which is going to be a horrible game watching yourself cry on television I think the mad thing is listening to all that all three of us might be on it yeah. <laughs> because you know when Honeyman scored at Rochdale and we went above Barnsley or mm. when we had a game in hand or something. When we were convinced we yeah. were going to well, go up. Bear in mind, we'd just scored a goal, so every, everyone's a bit happy. We were walking down the stairs at Rochdale and the camera was there. Me mate was saying, oh, what should we see it again on Netflix? And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm not seeing anything. So I just patted me badge or something. And he shouted, we're coming for you, Barnsley. Oh, dear. So he's, he's very scared that he's going to become a meme. But he deserves it, to be fair, for shouting that. If you're listening, Dan, you deserve it. When I seen one of the trailers for us, uh, the uh, the working title at the time was season two, the comeback. The comeback oh, yeah. I thought uh, that's what I thought it was redemption. <laughs> well, equally, the the Parkinson redemption. Who knows? There's maybe not going to be a season three, three, is there? I hope not. Um, but 
we are due to speak with Fullwell73. From what I gather, they are due to come back on the podcast. But you know what? Let's try and get the friends cast on because I don't <laughs> want to talk about I don't want to talk about uh, Sun Until I Die season two. So who knows? We might have Jennifer Aniston in the uh, studio. I'll come into uh, that one. There'll well, be a queue for that one. <laughs> I was going to say there'll be there'll be no excuses like there is today. I don't want to record. I'm no, upset. No. I'm at the match. Yeah, there'll there'll be people pouring out the doors for that one. Um, and the final question, which unfortunately we said we didn't really want to discuss, um, was sent in by Lee Wallace, who said, what did you think of Joey Barton's post-match comments the other night? Is that something that should aggravate us? You know, should we should we look at that and think, who really cares what, what Joey Barton says? Yeah, right, that, you know, we don't, I don't particularly... I must say, I think the thing is about Joey Barton and what Joey Barton should have said on Tuesday night. Now, Joey Barton set a game plan up to perfection against us you know they played very very well defended brilliantly now they resorted to especially in the second half resorted to cheating to try yeah. and win a game right so that brought on seven minutes added on time that wasn't I wouldn't say that Joey Barton hasn't done that you know he hasn't told he probably he hasn't told his probably to take <laughs> 25 seconds or to like you know kick or he hasn't told Niall Madden to roll around injured when there was nothing wrong with him now had had they held on there, we would all have been saying, "Oh, that was a fantastic bit of management from from Joey Barton." Now, the thing is with these comments, like watering the pitch and stuff like that, it's pathetic, mm. you know. It, 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 from any football manager now, and, and what I think with Joey Barton is, have it say at the end of the season, we uh, us and Phil Parkinson come to sort of thing where he's not going to be our manager anymore, so he gets sacked or he wants to leave or something like that. Joey Barton would be the first person to put his name in the hat yeah, for this job. Yeah, I think he was. And I'll tell you, and I will put a tip to you guys, and I'll put it to Sunderland fans as well, we would love to have him here. You know, me personally, I would, I would love to see Joey Barton, because I think he's tactically a very good manager. He's mad as a hatter. He's a Sunderland manager in the way, and if only he didn't play for bloody Newcastle, he'd be spot on. Do you think in terms of his comments, though, kind of, it's like you said, they, they set up incredibly well to frustrate us, and they almost mm. got away with it. And when he was stood there, you half expected maybe like a Mourinho sort of routine of him running down the touchline. Oh, he would have done. He, he would have done. I think he would have went berserk. He'd have took his but, cap off. He'd have been with his cap like right, right, round and everything like that. And but do you think, in terms of some of the things he said, it kind of um, sort of with withdrew any um, sort of praise basically for his players because he he, he sat down and he he only spoke about us and in respect of the comments that he'd made you know he, he spoke very positively about us at first he said you know we're, we're a top flight team it's sad that we're this far down I think you know we take that with a pinch of salt I really don't think he believes that himself but no, there was a lot of a lot of comments about the documentary that we've just mentioned and saying that it was all about Martin Bain which I'm sure we can all agree on but then he just kind of had the, the 180 where he was like you've celebrated like you've just won the World Cup and yeah, there was not really one mention of you know all my team came here and they've done well or, or yeah. anything like that it was a bit of a weird That's one. the thing for me. If I'm a Fleetwood fan, I'm thinking, what's he getting involved with Sunderland for? It's nothing to do with us. Do you know I mean? If, say, we had a manager who started like having scraps with Fleetwood, we'd be like, what are you doing? It's embarrassing. Yeah. Do you know what it reminds me us? of as well? An ex-Sunderland player here, Jordan Pickford, who every time he goes up to Newcastle, yes. gives it the biggins, right? And yeah. he always makes a mistake. You know, Every time he plays Newcastle, especially up at St James's, he's always making an error. So, <coughs> like, and Joey Barnes are exactly the same. Come, come here set up brilliantly for 90, 90 plus minutes and then conceded a goal in stoppage time because of his players being morons and then decides to reflect all of the blame onto oh, something to high and mighty, something to this, something to that. And as a matter of fact is, that was a League One club playing a League One club. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter where we were three years ago. We're in League One now. 
it was a draw against a fellow League One club who are in promotion, uh, who have promotion aspirations as well as us. So what what's he even mentioning this stuff for? And you know, been, I think it's because he wants to be he wants to be sort of manager. Job. Yeah. Let's be honest. I think in regards of whoever you're playing, if the game is is pretty much gone, at least that's what you believe. Yeah. And you are hanging on, and you've been knocking on the door basically since the fifth minute. Whoever you play, if you score a 97th minute equaliser, can you imagine you're if that was the other way around? What, what though? Can you imagine if we were one nil up, right, and they scored in the last minute? He would have been, he would have been on the pitch with his, yeah. with his players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how's that any difference? It's a League One football. It's a League One fixture. You know, if, say if we were playing like Gateshead. And we went 1-0 down against Gateshead in the FA Cup and scored in the last minute. Are we going to celebrate just as much as we're doing against three? But of course we are, because we're, we're so happy that we haven't lost a game of football, that we haven't been embarrassed, you know what I mean? I think the whole mindset of, oh, son, and you're embarrassing and celebrating in League One, it's, it's not like we're on loan in League One and we're going to be in the Premier League next year. Yeah, we're, is, we're very much in yeah. League One football. Yeah. Right? Imagine, imagine if we'd scored that goal and we're just like, oh... Well done. Like, it just wouldn't happen <laughs> anywhere. Been do you know what I mean? It's like saying if Man City they've just won the League Cup against Villa, if they had scored in the 97th minute, there would have been people out there saying, "Oh, the, the squad Man City have." Have you seen them celebrating? It's embarrassing. I just, I just don't get that mindset at all. But it's a funny thing, isn't it? It tends to play up to like the social media masses. You're, you'll always see, for example, like a midweek game, there'll, there'll be some one of these football banter accounts where they'll they'll take a picture of of some away following. And they, they deliberately put it up if it's if it's like you know not very big in numbers, and they're just looking straight away for for easy likes and retweets just mm -hmm. to criticise an attack. And you think the first thing you should be doing is actually going, hold on a minute, you know, at least those fans turned up, praise those who did turn up. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of the same with us. People are quick and easy to bash to go, oh well, you had to close your concourse, and you know you've you've lost ten thousand fans. It's like yeah, but we're still getting thirty thousand through mm -hmm. the door. And, People are still displaying that same level of passion, whether you're in League One equalising against Fleetwood, whether you are against, say, Liverpool yeah. at home. So it's it's still the same. Yeah, and plus as well, I mean, this would be this will be now that since Tuesday, literally everyone, everyone's talked about Joey Barton. I know there was a an issue between um, Wise Men and the Sunday Netball because since just stop talking about it. And I do think it just needs. Like until we're playing, we'll end up playing them again. If we end up until, playing yeah, them again, we'll, we'll see him in the semi Then it'll all oh, happen God. again. But for, for now, it's just just let just let him crack on. You know, just let him, let him crack on because he you can tell deep down this is what he wants a job like this. He would love a job like this. So you know, do you think that sort of shit harassery from a manager is is something that can potentially get under the skin of the players? I mean, you, I'm not sure if you've seen the the Max Power incident at half time mm -hmm. when they came yeah, out yeah. of there the tunnel and mm -hmm. you know he, he, he took did, the cones and in he, the second half we saw lowered ourselves yeah. to their level. You know, like Mike yeah, McGuire was running, putting the goal on the goal line. Just let them do it. You know, the referee added seven yeah. minutes on. Let them get on with it if they're gonna, if that's what they want to do. Concentrate on your own game concentrate on trying to beat them do not get drawn into it because other teams will come and do it if they know that we're they'll watch we're gonna, them though. yeah I mean I was amazed someone ever got sent off for going into one of them like cause that's how kind of rattled we were mm. it's how rattled the fans were as well because we were, we were so quick for blood, we? yeah we were so quick to get on like the players backs in the second half as well I think what you were saying there about playing them in the semi-final it doesn't feel over does it no it feels like the no. start and I think he even said but well he he, he probably did because he said everything in his interview after the match. But he, I think he said if we get if we get them in Sunderland in the playoffs, we won't be too bothered. So I'm fully expecting uh, that Fleetwood semi-final, Portsmouth final, and, just, and then then there'll be a season three on Netflix if that happens. I tell you what, just just a quick one now in terms of where we are in the league. Let's say we finish in the playoffs. We'll put a Twitter poll out prior to the recording, and an awful lot of the responses 
was from people saying we'll get to the playoffs but we'll not go up. Let's say where we're in the playoffs now, ideally which team would you want to face out of the, the rest of the pack? Wickham. Wickham, yeah. yeah. Wickham, because we'll, we'll annihilate them at home. It doesn't even matter if we have to go down to Darius Charles' house, get beat one nil. <laughs> take that, we'll, we'll annihilate them at home. I would, I would take Wickham on. I would, uh, to be honest, Fleetwood. I wouldn't mind taking Fleetwood on because I think we'd learn our lessons, you know, and and kind of try and get something away. I think if if we are saying playoffs now, we need to look at playing at home in the second leg, you know, bring the bat to stay in the light because not many teams will come here and beat us. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to look at doing that, but. Yeah, I, I can't. I, I would. I would back us against anyone really in the playoffs. I think Peterborough would worry us mm-hmm. going down to Peterborough because they can they can blow teams away down there. That would be the only one that worries us. Sam, I think the thing about playoffs is we need to. As long as you, well, the structure of the playoffs, the higher up you finish, the easier games are. I know that's not always the case, but I, I would sort of fancy us in the semi-final. But then I. It was similar to last season, how you just didn't, you didn't want Charlton. I remember watching the Doncaster Charlton penalties, thinking, "Marcus, please score." <laughs> you didn't, because yeah. you're thinking Doncaster, they'll only the won't sell out at Wembley. It'll yeah. just, but you just, it, it, and you think it'll. It's the same again, like the question earlier. We'll play a, a good team and we'll, we'll we'll crumble really. So I think I would fancy us in the semi-finals, unless something went drastically wrong and we ended up playing Rotherham or Charlton, uh, Charlton Coventry. But then I think at Wembley we'd have to we'd have to get rid of the mindset of playing a big team we struggle because unless you're very lucky to get to the final of the playoffs you're playing one of the other best teams you should have got promoted. And you've got to look at it as well with the playoffs this year we we we've got that last season's heartbreak to fall back on really on because we yeah. know how horrible I mean that must have been horrible as well as much as it was terrible for us it must have hurt the players as well yeah, you know you it's like you said that when we were talking earlier about Honeyman asking the referee how long was left and how many hands on his head that, that, that sticks doesn't it you know and a lot of that team is still here that'll, that'll stick with yeah 9 was in tears mm-hmm. at the end wasn't he he's still here there's power played the, the core of the team still there really McLaughlin White played in the playoffs so they'll want to write some wrongs yeah 100% yeah, yeah. wouldn't they yeah. so before we get a prediction for next week's game against Gillingham it's 10 games to go let's, let's get some maybe some early predictions now what do we think are we going to be in the playoffs top two are we going up we're going staying in league one for a third season <laughs> I can't deviate from when we were on with Cameron Brady I still think we'll go up I still I still think there's there's something like for us, a run for us to go on where we will end up in the in the top two. I think it's wide open. I think anyone mm. could. I'd, I'd like to say, I think Coventry's away and then anyone could. It depends. I think we should aim to win. The, I think we've got four games in all, yeah. haven't we? Win all four of them and then try and do something away from home. But I still, I still think we'll knock that second. And I kind of changed my mind. So, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say second. <laughs> I've... I've always thought playoffs. I think it will be playoffs. Yeah, you have said playoffs all season. Yeah, I, I just I can't get away from a Portsmouth playoff final. Mm. I, I can't. It's the better way to go up, you think, though, isn't it? In terms of, I know, obviously, financial and obviously mental stress, emotional stress and stuff like that. But yeah. if we run there, the winning end last year, we scored, we see a five yeah. seconds to go like Charlton would have. Oh, you'd be buzzing you'd for the Netflix documentary. Thing, yeah. If we'd won that Charlton game, that would have been a completely different answer yeah. about the documentary. <laughs> oh, 100%. <laughs> ah, yeah. Well, that would have been tears of happiness, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, saying, I can't but, wait for that. Should we all yeah. watch it together have a few beers? I will quickly say about the um, the playoff fan, what the main two reasons why I don't want to hear because we've never won at Wembley for, since I've been alive. And two, we've, we've, we've got a 
uh, fans getting booked <laughs> on the stadium of light and I really want I really want to play on that and I really want to play on that on that day. Yeah. And that that's so horrible to say that, but it's just so many it's so many like sort of scars from from going to Wembley. Even like we look we've just watched this league cup final there and I know we lost that game and we were so proud of the team, but that hurt. You know, the check trade final as much as it hard to deal out, that hurt. We're getting paid on penalties, that hurt. And the I've been the two playoff finals, both against Charlton. And I've cried my eyes out on both, and, and they were totally, you know, I was a kid on the first one, cried my eyes out, and I was, I cried my eyes out on the train on the way home. It's not a nice year. place to go, it's, especially with a six-hour journey home. Oh, it's the whole it's, feel it's about just it. that walk when you're walking over Wembley Way, getting on that tube, and then the away fans coming from the other end, and you're like, oh. <laughs> you just, you want to know what it's like to be in there when the other half empties. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've been there three times. We've been winning one nil every time. I think if we're been, going one nil up in this time, I'm not going to celebrate. I think we've been lucky enough as well that the travelling fans, the 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 other the opposition fans, haven't been complete nothing dicks about it. You know, like even Charlton last year when we were going in, there was a, a little a fair bit of aggro on Wembley Way, but when we were coming out, they were like applauding our fans and stuff. I was in a hotel with when we played City and. Literally had all sorts of city fans, my son on top on our all sorts of city fans come and say, no, like fair play, you were better than Wigan last year and Wigan beat us in the FA Cup. You know, that's that's nice. We don't want to be nice to anybody though, do we? We oh, want to shit house someone at Wembley and stand there with a boombox on and play like our house by madness <laughs> or something oh, like that. Sure yeah, yeah. Sorts of yeah. yeah I, I now probably would be a dickhead, like, but you <laughs> know. Just, just got bad memories of Wembley, even the playoff final. I got back to the hotel and I, I hadn't even spoke to anyone on the way back. And I went to go to the reception and a Villa fan came out because obviously they were playing the next day. And he started hugging us and he said, congratulations. I went, what do you mean? He said, I, I heard you scored later on. I said, no, we didn't. Yeah. He was, he, and he looked like he wanted to die because I must have yeah. had a face like thunder. And that. <laughs> that, Just little that, things like that. In the in the first one against Charlton, like I said, I was about 11, I think. And we drove down and we drove all the way back up. And I held it in. I cried a little bit when Michael Gray missed felony and I held it in. <laughs> All the way to home, to home. Gets in, gets in the house. Dad drops us off and all that. And the first picture I saw was Mickey Gray when I was in my room. It's bringing back tears now. How bad it was because I just went. <laughs> it was just like I was inconsolable. And then having to go into school the next day and bloody Newcastle fans and stuff. I'm on digressing now, but it's, let's, it's let's finish awful. Second, awful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll finish, finish on on Auntie was six foot two, eighteen stone, crying like a baby. When we get beat off Portsmouth in the playoff final this year. Right, we're going to finish second. So next week we are back in action against Gillingham. <coughs> Must win, we would say. What are our thoughts on that one? Let's get some predictions then. I hope we see some changes and I hope we're just, like Anne said earlier, just bounce back. I mean, what's done is done. Although we're, we're getting a bit depressing now, you can't change what's happened. And yeah. For some reason, supporting Sunderland, no matter what happens, you're always positive. I don't understand why this happens, but it does. So I think hopefully we see the changes. Lafferty, um, I'd like to see Scowan, Semenyo, and even people get more time. But I think it will be a hard game. I think it might be similar to Bristol Rovers, where we dominate, but they, like Anne said, they'll come for a draw. But I think we'll win 2 0 in the end. Uh, Lafferty with two, hopefully. Yeah, um, I'm expecting changes, um, possibly even demanding changes now. Bob, how how bad this week's been? Um, you know, he's not going to listen to me, is he? But hey, <laughs> I'm going to say we'll start with we'll start with um, Scowen, Lafferty, and I think Declan John will come in. I do, I really do think he will get rested now. And I'm going to go for three-one to Sunderland. 
um, Lafferty Power and a towering header from Ali Mazturk. Christ. <laughs> okay, well, for what it's worth, considering you know we've all criticised him, I think we're going to win 1 0 and Charlie Wake is going to score the winner. <laughs> I, I think right. he's due one, right. isn't he? He owes this one, and you know what? I hope he runs past the southwest corner when he scores, cups his ears and sticks his fingers up. That's what I like to just see. Just at you. Just at me, <laughs> just to give a bat to say, you know what? It's basically, F the lot he is. Right, so... Well, well, they're not the first time we've been wrong, are they? No, nah, I was going to say, <laughs> we're, 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 we're wrong most times, aren't we? So finally, I love it when we are, to be fair. <laughs> uh, just before we do wrap things up, just a special mention for Sunderland ladies who travelled away and beat Hull City uh, 4-0 away today. And for Melanie Ray, who picked up a National League Manager of the Month award for well, the second month in a row. Not that that's in any doubt. Uh, so again, well done to the ladies. At least one of the sides won this weekend. Um, and Sam, thank you very much both for coming in. No bother at all, thank you. No, thank you. And to everybody listening, if you are still listening after the Wembley heartbreak and <laughs> Christ knows what else we've discussed for the past half an hour, uh, to make sure you do get the latest Rock Report podcast as soon as they're released. Remember, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Acast, Spotify or YouTube. The Exiles will be back during the week to preview the Gillingham game. And that is us. Thank you very much for listening. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.